he comes around a really tight pad, a really nice, you know, lands it probably 150 away. Arrow breaks it, you know, a little bit. But I think Tower asked if he could make the very first left turnoff, you know, expedite getting off the runway. And he jumped on the brakes really hard and immediately blew his left main mount. You got to be kidding me. Just blew a tire in front of the whole ready room. He opens the canopy and he knows where we're at. And he knows all these guys are probably looking out the window at him. And he keys to Mike, ready room uh, loudspeaker is on, you know, and he looks right at us. He goes, how am I doing so far? You're listening to the podcast, So There I Was. That's how every great aviation tale begins. This is episode 28. 28? What? Can you believe it? Yeah. 28? Yeah. This is going to air on Thanksgiving Day, 24 November, 2022. That's awesome. Yeah. The title of this show, Fig, is The Boss is Hammond. Boss is Hammond. 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 H-A-M-N. <laughs> Join on him because he's Hammond. I, I don't even think he's blinking at this point. <laughs> you know? So, Fig, what else did Lawman talk about? One of one of the parts that actually surprised me says the worst part about being a Blue Angel. Why? I mean, I don't get it, but he tells us. And you know what? Once he said so, it kind of made sense. Oh, absolutely. Stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk about perfection. Every single moment is perfection. Right. That's what you're striving for. The goal is perfection, and the standard is nothing less than excellence. So we have actually brought Lawman on for this intro with us, and there's a reason for that. He felt like he was maybe in the debrief or something. It was a little too critical, but you were alone as a new guy. Yeah, you were the new guy all by yourself, and so you got the focus of all the attention, and, and you talk about that in the show. So in retrospect, tell us about it. What is your retrospective of being being on the team? Again, you know, glad to be here with you two gentlemen. Again, thanks for having me back. Uh, kind of put a little bit of perspective back in that. I did share some of the hill here, I guess, some of the trials and tribulations of being a, a Blue Angel pilot, especially a new a new wingman with uh, experienced diamond guys all around you. And the, the focus and the camera's always on you. But I uh, hope I can take away some of the mystique, uh, if there is some mystique about the Blue Angels. and uh, uh, But there really is no mystique. The truth is, just a bunch of knuckleheads in the fleet, got lucky, got picked up like me. Uh, but very devoted professionals working every day, like Fig mentioned there, every, every single maneuver every day, striving for perfection. That was the goal for the whole team. And uh, you got lucky to be a part of that. So I'm very fortunate, of course, to have been selected. I do want to thank the 1993 team, the guys that picked me, you know, uh, with the other highly qualified applicants, Boss uh, Rug Dance and Ripper, uh, Fudge, Snooze, Dino, Hoops, Serge, you know, Timber, uh, all the other guys in the team that, that gave me a chance, had the confidence to say, hey, Law, man, we think we can train you to do this and you can be a part of this team, be productive and, uh, and help the team accomplish their missions. I really do appreciate the team having the confidence in uh, selecting me. And then, but, you know, like I said before, you know, being selected is one thing and then strapping on the jet and going out there and doing the maneuvers is a whole different thing. That's where the, the, uh, the art and science of being a Blue Angel. So you get picked, and then you got to, you know, now you got to slide to that standard, and they don't lower the standard for anybody. And if you don't make the standard, which is perfection, and no one's going to be perfect, so you're going to hear about it. You're going to uh, get beat up in uh, very uh, critical debriefs uh, every single day, every maneuver, everything you do. And not just the, the, uh, the pilots, the enlisted troops, uh, everybody on the team, every wrench turner, the guy cleaning the swabbing the halls. Everything is, the goal is perfection, the entire team. Uh, probably the hardest working team in the world, in my opinion, to be honest with you, across the board. Totally devoted to the mission. I'm not kidding. That's amazing. Every but, you know, I tend to believe that just because yeah. you don't put a product out like the Blue Angels do if no, everything no. behind the scenes isn't perfect. 
Yeah, so the goal is perfection and everything they do, every single task, every maneuver, everything, the maintenance, everything, the support crew. Because uh, the goal is to put on the very best flight demonstration in the world. That's the goal. Every practical air show, it doesn't matter if you're flying in front of four people or 800,000. It's the same maneuvers, same level. If you're not perfect, you're going to hear about it. And that's just the way it is. Uh, and, you know, the truth is, if you strive for perfection, I don't care what Blue Angels, anything you do in life, if you strive for perfection, you will at least be very, very good. At a minimum, right? Sound right? Yes. And you won't get absolutely, and you won't get complacent. And so, a an offshoot, a by a byproduct of perfection is is safety in aviation. If you're really striving to be perfect, you're probably going to be at least be very safe, you know. Uh, and that's that's a good thing when you're flying jets like that. So uh, you're going you're to hear a lot about my 1994 teammates. My first year as a new guy, you know, uh, boss, uh, which is boss Ripper, snooze. Coops, Timber, and those guys who were with me, uh, and mostly about Dino. And I tell you, Dino, I love that guy. He was both my uh, the instructor, my mentor, right. and my tour mentor. Right. <laughs> All right. rolled right. into one. Mentor and you know, tour mentor. Because the truth is, it's by position, he was a slot pilot, and the slot pilot is in the best position underneath the boss to both be the safety pilot for the, for the Diamond mm-hmm. and the Delta, and yeah. to help the boss be safe and back them up on some, some mostly just sugar calls, like a little more pull or, you know, like the bottom, you know, to maybe help. Kind of like the catcher. Yeah. He's kind of like the catcher yeah. on a baseball exactly. team, yeah. man. And he sees yeah. everything. Sees everything. He sees, yeah. That's he's field he's of view of the third whole year. team. Yeah, second or third year guy. He's got great, tremendous essay. Like, you know, his aperture's opened up and he's looking a lot more at other people. Uh, and I was lucky enough to have Dino, I think, uh, who was really a, an excellent instructor. But he helped me to a standard. And if I didn't make it, I was going to hear about it. And Dino pushed me. Dino pushed me along with Snooze, Boss Stump, and other guys pushed me into being a, a, a good right wingman where I put my jet where it's supposed to be every single time to be predictable. And so the trust. So yeah. these guys have to trust you. And you have to develop that trust and, and earn that trust. They're going to put their jet, all those guys, inches or feet away from you and roll in the loop, knowing that lawman, whoever's flying that number two jet, number three jet, doesn't matter. That jet's going to be where it's supposed to be, or are you going to clear properly? That was the whole thing. So those guys, uh, they pushed me into being, to making the standard, and I appreciate that. Uh, and all the troops, everybody who turned the ranch gave me a perfect jet every day. All the support crews, the Fat Albert guys, everybody in that team, admin, you name it, they all, they all made me successful. Nobody cares about Ben Hancock. Nobody I cares. Feel like I should be standing at attention right now. No, right? <laughs> no I'm serious. I'm serious. Yeah. No, and the truth is, I tell people down, later on, nobody cares who Ben Hancock was. I was the number two, the right wingman, 1994, 99. All they care about is that I was a Blue Angel, and I did my job. Hopefully, uh, with the support of the team, put my jet where it's supposed to be, and then you again, I was fortunate to leave in good standing uh, and become an ex, and and become the goal, become an ex Blue Angel. Yeah. There, there's a portion of the uh, upcoming interview entitled uh, "You Were a Spectator." There you go. And I know was. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! First time I was. It's a I great was, story. There, it's a great. It's a great there. story. There you go. You guys can tell that one. I'll let it go with that. If there's nothing else that I can add, but uh, I just do want to thank you guys uh, for letting me kind of clarify that. That uh, it was uh, it was hell for a while, but it was really a privilege to be even associated with those guys and what they do. And the uh, the history of the team. Well, man, I I think so. that comes through loud and clear in your interview, buddy. I mean, appreciate loud it, and clear. Yes. Yeah. Thanks very much. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Ditto. And then I will mention that this show 
gets a little bit disjointed because we talk about some Blue Angel stuff and then we go back into some fleet stuff. And with our, and there are two hours left with, with Lawman, this one and the next one. And the, the last hour with Lawman goes back into some blue stuff again. That's because we recorded this over two different sessions and it became impossible to keep pulling things out of the second session, put them into the first and vice versa. That all being said and done, it is a little bit disjointed. So we move out of the blues and we move into some fleet stuff. There'll be more blues stuff to follow in our, in our last hour with him. So I, I did want to say that, but one of the funny things he talks about, it goes back to this fleet and his time at Willow Grove. And that's a segment called, how am I doing so far? And it's similar <laughs> to the blues. That's a great- that's you know? a great story. Yeah. That's a great in, story. in order to get into a, a reserve squadron, similar to the Blues, you have to rush it. You don't just get picked you, or get orders. You have to show up and be, well, like, Rush Chairman. Damn glad to meet you. How am I doing so far? So, uh, How am I doing so far? Yeah. It's a great, it's a great interview. Yeah. You guys are going to enjoy it. Yeah, I hope you enjoy it half as much as we did because we're having a ball. With that being said, it's time to strap in. Make sure you're not sitting on the ejection hand. Don't sit on it! <laughs> and enjoy show 28. So there I am. They say that I look pretty in my fitted red flat suit. They say I am a rock star, but the point is probably moot. Cause I'm sick of all the bullshit that kills the joy of flight. Most of all, I'm sick and fucking tired of looking right. I'm Looking right, looking right, I'm always looking right. When I'm flying fucking fingertip, I'm always looking right. The crowd goes wild, the formation's tight. So I show up on my very first day, now I'm allowed to wear the suit. So I actually can walk into the squadron with the Blue Angel flight suit, no staples in it, you know. <laughs> well, that was nice of them. <laughs> <laughs> Did you leave the house? Hey, did you leave the house with it on or did you put it on when you got there? No, you would leave the house. You put it on and drive to work that way. That's okay. the way most yeah. that's it's way, just like you know, wearing just like wearing your bag. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. You know, put your bag on when you typically leave house and go uh drive to work, right? Show up at the squad and go fly and work. And now is that Nomex? Is that made out of Nomex? It was Nomex, yeah. But they make they cut it from the same bolt to cloth. So each year, each pilot gets four brand new flight suits cut from the same exact bolt to cloth. So the, the exact same hue that the tension to detail in the Blue Angels, even that is is unbelievable. The tension to detail, the, the wow. striving for perfection, everything they do. Then you have you use your last year's suits if you're an old guy for practice shows, and you only wear that flight suit once. You never wear the same flight suit twice, two days in a row, never. And they're all dry cleaned. Okay, uh, wow. it's all taken care of, man. You, it's, they really take care of business. So I show up day one Monday morning uh, in the ready room, and it's a diamond brief because we're going to initially train. One and two, three and four fly together, five and six, and then we'll put the diamond together, and then we'll put the delta together, and then we'll transit Del Central, and then we'll you know do two a days. So initially, but it's a diamond brief, and Dino's running the brief essentially. He goes, All right, long man. He goes, Welcome to the team. He goes, You asked for this job, you got it, we picked you, but now you got to perform. And so the very first thing they show me was archives of, of Blue Angels crashing, all different <laughs> types of airplanes. They had every practice show and every show has been videotaped sure. or yes. filmed over the years, over decades. Yes. I saw A4s, F11s, Phantoms, Hornet mishaps. Uh, yeah. They showed me a lot of it for a reason, I think, and it made sense. This is what you make a, a, a big mistake with the Blue Angels. It can be catastrophic, especially with the ground or yeah. hitting each other. 
Yeah. Here are some of the things that guys have done, and not not disparaging former Blue Angels or, or those who were killed, even, but Learn from here's what mistakes. happens when you have a bad day of the balloons. You really have to be completely focused, uh, tremendous concentration, and okay. and really be open to learning and, and critique and criticism and uh, and being honest with the debriefs and, and your mistakes, and then chipping away and just getting better and better. But a major mistake in the Blue Angels can be fatal. You know, in fact. At that time, up to uh, when the Marine captain was killed in Smyrna, Tennessee, it's about a 10% fatality rate historically on the Blue Angels. So historically, since 1946, about one out of 10 uh, have been killed. And about half of those have been solo pilots, That's other half bad. diamond. That's so really uh, much worse, I think, if I got my numbers right, uh, uh, more fatal solo pilots than diamond guys, but about a 10%. So there is, it's unforgiving. And if they, they might love you, but if you don't hack it, they'll love you. They'll try to make you successful, of course, but they'll, they'll, they'll you'll fire you. And that's, you know, that's happened before too. I knew right. that happened to other guys. So my first morning wasn't about motivational stuff. It was mishap videos. This is what can happen to you if you don't have your shit together procedurally and they're very strict about your procedures. Um, and the last brain, number two, they showed me his crash video with boss i won't say the last name but it was a boss of one of the many admiral he hit the boss on the fan break about the third week of winter training in el central california Ooh. and that's a tight maneuver very tight and number two sets it and all you're flying on the fan break is you're putting there's a cigarette stripe there's a yellow stripe if you look really close you have the leading edge extension on boss's right side of his airplane yeah. on the blue paint you'll see a a yellow stripe about the size of a cigarette and we call it a cigarette stripe and you, as number two, boss would be in his angle of bank for the fan, and you step up and you put that cigarette stripe in the crotch of his canopy bowl and canopy rail, you know, and you hold that stripe, and then you step up and look at one inch, the one and a half inches of black canopy rail inside of boss's jet. So you put that cigarette stripe in the crotch of the canopy and about an inch of black canopy rail, and then you hold still and say, that's, hey, long man, at that point, boss is what they call Hammond. I learned that for the first time. When I learned the fan break and they go, uh, what's Hammond? Hammond means he ain't moving nothing. So once <laughs> Hammond, boss is Hammond, which means if he's Hammond, you should be Hammond. So that three and four can fly off of you and echelon, right? Yeah. Yes. So they, they would say, oh, it's that simple, old man. Just put the cigarette strap there and hold still, goddammit, and don't move. So three and four can fly off of you. They're, li they're flying helmets, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. they're cracking uh, the whip if there's any oh, movement, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So they showed me this video of uh, uh, this previous Marine, who's a great guy, former Phantom Hornet guy, who was having a bad day, and he, uh, three and four could see you coming. Uh, chase calls clear. You got to call clear. So if you're an echelon, you just don't bail out. Save yourself. You know, move your jet to get away from boss jet, some other jet. You have to call clear, smoke off, and then you wait if you're in Delta or Diamond or Echelon, anybody on your wing, and you had to give them a chance to get their own piece of airspace. Everybody has a piece of airspace, no matter what we're yeah. doing, any maneuver. Yeah that you own and nobody else is buying for your piece of sky as you're still flying off the boss. Boss is still your gyro. So Chase is clear. He's got to wait. He's supposed to wait for four to clear, three to clear. Then you move your jet. And if you have to, you eat some paint. You know, they, they encourage you, hey, if you have to wait, eat some paint. So now uh, uh, just for listeners, when they say you guys swap paint, you you bump each other. Yeah, we did. I, 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 yeah, I swap. Well, you try to avoid it. I, I did. I swapped paint twice. I kissed my boss twice my first year. Uh, swap paint. There's different stories on that. But uh, 
So, <laughs> so Chase number two is uh, bosses. His job is once he's in a maneuver is fly the maneuver, be predictable to everybody else. Right. No matter what's happening. And boss is doing a great job. It's like walking through the park. He's getting hit by the number two jet. So number two comes out with wings. We call it wings. He's using aileron instinctively to get away from the boss's jet because you want to get away on the yeah. right side. So you he puts some aileron in, which you would normally want to do to get away from the guy on your left side. But if you do that, your wing overlap is so great, you're going to hit him every time. So his left wing tip is hitting boss's right horizontal stabilator. And boss, if I get this right, boss's jet, he's holding still. So he's holding the number two jet in place. And when the number two jet starts to roll over the top of boss's jet with right stick and right rudder by the pilot in the two jet, yeah. and he sees the top of boss's jet, he pulls the handle and ejects. So he ejects. The airplane immediately, because the spring will pull up to almost negative two Gs. You let go of that stick, yeah. that spring force pulls the jet. It doesn't seek one G like a normal gray F-18 in the fleet. It'll right. almost negative two Gs. So the jet immediately clears the boss's jet and flies in the ground. Huge fireball. Here's the seat beacon going off. Knock it off, knock it off. Boss, knock it off. You know, three, knock it off. Four, knock it off. Because number two is in a parachute. He can't call knock it off. And uh, he lands and then they pick him up and he's not hurt, thankfully. Probably a little beat up and they dust him off and brush him off and they, they do a debrief and all that and they paint his name on a, number, a new number two jet. All right, don't do that again. Wow. You know? Uh, i tell you what, if that had happened to me my third week of winter training, I don't think I could have been successful either. And this guy, I think, I'm not disparaging him at all. Yeah, I've been no, there and struggled. That'll get your attention, I would think, at a minimum. Um, yeah, he, uh, some self-doubt or just, you start to flinch a little bit. Yeah. And if you flinch in the Blue Angel, especially as a diamond pilot, you can, you're can you allowed to flinch once or twice maybe where you flinch in the other jets without being predictable and making the proper clear and getting other guys the chance to get away from your jet. If you do that more than twice, maybe even, you know, a big flinch once, you're done. I can't trust you anymore. They can't trust me. And yeah, you got to go away. Yeah. And they love you, but, you know, it makes sense, right? A lot of trust. So they cut him loose and brought back a Navy pilot to fly that jet for the rest of the year. Uh, and so the point being is that I'm the first Marine back in the diamond now. Because Thumper went 765, narrator, opposing solo lead solo and thumper was a maniac man he was a talk about he i think he broke a lot of jets put it that way he broke a lot of blue jets uh <laughs> with g's and hitting runway lights and stuff <laughs> thumper was very even for balloons the thumper was super aggressive but he was a great solo pilot but he was a solo pilot at 765 then they hired me so i'm the first marine back in the diamond and they go and this it was kind of a, that navy marine corps good nature but somewhat you know not yep, so good nature all the time. Yeah. I love those guys. Hey, you squids. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Hey, okay, lawman. Here's the thing. That, so day one, they go, let's see if you have what it takes. If you had the balls to be a diamond pilot. Because the last Marine couldn't hack it. That's what oh, they Oh, shit. They threw the gauntlet right Yeah, there. they did. All right, lawman. Let's see if you have what it takes. So I go, man. I go, here we go. Shit, this is a great start. And um, and then Dino's drinking a cup of coffee. He goes, the kind of concentration you need to be a Blue Angel pilot is, I can't, it's like metal bending focus you know move an object with your brain kind of stuff then he lays his spoon on the table and goes, all right all i'm in i want you to move that spoon with your brain with your mind i go what he goes move that spoon so you know you know of course the spoon's not moving he goes god damn it we work on that <laughs> but he goes um he said the point i'm making is it takes tremendous focus and if you make a mistake you got to flush it put it behind you and move on because we have another maneuver then another maneuver you can't dwell we'll talk about it afterwards 
He goes, let me ask you this, law man. He goes, uh, he said, you know what the uh, the worst thing about being a Blue Angel is? And I get the boss and three and four looking at me. I don't know. I go, I said, being on the road, I mean, you're on the road a lot? Because I mean, you're on the road about 310 days a year as a Blue yeah. Angel, roughly. Yeah, he goes, no, it's easy. We live in nice hotels. We get nice rental cars or courtesy cars, getting taken well care of. He goes, that's not, it's predictable. You're not on the ship, you're not in the tent. It's a pretty easy life. He goes, it's not it. I go, what? He goes, it's the fly-in. I go, what? He goes, yeah, you have no idea what you signed up for. You're going to find out starting today just how pain, difficult, mentally and physically flying is. He goes, that's the hardest part about this job is the flying. I'm thinking, shit. All right. He goes, you know what the best thing about being a Blue Angel is? This is a, a third year Blue Angel pilot asked me this question. A third year guy. To me, he's a god, right? Yeah. Plus, he's six foot four. He's a very imposing figure. I, I, I remember that guy. Yeah, Dino. Yeah, man. He's a great guy, but he was. He was, he could be imposing as a new guy, right? So what was the best thing? He said, I said, I said, I'm thinking, I'm guessing, you know, meeting people, going on the road. He goes, oh, that's all great stuff. He goes, oh, man. He goes, no, the best thing about being a Blue Angel, and he wasn't kidding, he goes, is being an ex-Blue Angel. I go, what? He goes, your goal starting today is to survive your time on this team, these two years, not kill yourself, not kill a squadron mate, not kill a spectator. Uh, don't embarrass the Navy the Marine Corps, or the Blue Angels, or your community, and walk away in two years in good standing, having put your jet where it's supposed to be every day and be an ex-Blue Angel, come to briefs and debriefs, you know, as an old guy with gray hair and a, and a, and a plate full of brownies, you yeah. know, to, to the new team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That's right. your goal. That's go, wow. Anyways, that was my intro. So it, it was painful. I'm mean, going to admit, it was very, the challenge in flying physically, mentally, no G-suit, uh, and there's a story that I'll tell you later on about uh, near G-Lock that I, you know, because G-Lock, G-induced loss of conscience has killed several Blue Angels oh, yeah. uh, since I left the team. And it's, it's certainly a threat. That's a big threat for the, the guys flying these jets, lower the ground, high G, no G suit. Um, but uh, we train in, in Pensacola for, you know, twice a day. And then you uh, get Christmas break off and, and New Year's. And then you transit to El Central as a six-plane Delta. You've trained a few times. And so you decent. So you look decent. You kind of look like the Blue Angels, hopefully, going from Pensacola to El Central, landing somewhere in between. If you don't, and I guess in, uh, in sometimes maybe, if you don't look like a six-plane Delta, just taking off and landing, you know, coming in for the overhead, yeah. pitch up, break, six-plane, or turnout, you don't transit as a, as a Delta. So that's the goal is, is to transit with all six jets and look like the Blue Angels when you come and go out of airfields. That's some ragtag bunch of guys you know looking like shit coming in for the you know for the overhead or something you know same day same way yeah yeah so you got you know that was the goal was to, to, to make the six plane transit and look good you don't embarrass the blue angels yeah. so we get del central then you fly twice a day six days a week and then it was groundhog day you get an sop um you read about the maneuvers and then you the, the slot pot as a new guy will take the sticks and brief you with sticks on maneuvers then you go out and try it and you fail miserably and you do stupid, wacky shit, wow. you know, and hope that you get better every day. Uh, and there's one I'll tell you about if you get a minute. Uh, that's a kind of a funny story about as a new guy. Yeah. About yeah. Intro. So I'm the only new guy in the diamond, 1994. The boss is second year boss. Three is a second year three. Four is a third year guy. Three, four, four. So I'm the weak link. And they always told the camera, he always followed along, man. You know, follow his jet for doing any maneuvers. On the walk down, they followed me up the ladder, up, you know. Everything was on me. You know, I'm the new knucklehead. You know, I can't even find the gear handle. We, we get on formation on the runway. 
in diamond set, uh, off breaks now, you're in diamond down the yeah. runway. You're looking at the tip of the, the Lao 7, the uh, missile launcher on boss's right wing, putting on the, the hub cap of a boss's right uh, nose gear tire on the center axle point. And okay. that's your whole world. The tip of the missile launcher rail on that yeah. center hub cap all the way down the runway. There's no hand signals. We're going flying. Boss starts to fly. You just rotate with him and slide into the diamond set. And as soon as number four feels weight off wheels, he'll call gear. And all four jets simultaneously gear up and flaps up. And you put a little extender switch on the flaps so you can do it simultaneously. Otherwise, you have a different configuration. Sure. And if you are half a heartbeat behind the boss on that gear and flaps, you're out of position. You can't stay in position. Right. I couldn't find the goddamn gear handle. Because <laughs> I had no there somewhere. I had no muscle memory. I go, where's the guy? Right. You know, because so you can't look. You yeah. cannot. You're, you're in a reaching. diamond set. You're you're already three feet from this other jet. You know, try not to move and got the slot pilot calls gear. And you had to reach with you blindly and get the gear and, and flaps up. And I was like, I missed it by half a heartbeat or the and so they're giving me shit about that. I'm clearing immediately. I can't even do the damn takeoff. And at one point, after a few days of this, some smart ass navy pilot brings a uh, uh tie pin, like those uh, aluminum tie pins like you, like you would bake a, a pie in. Yeah. You know big circular uh, pie tin with a ruler tape to it with duct tape. He goes, hey, law man, we're going to send this to Nav Air, the engineers, and have them engineer you a landing gear handle that looks like this. This big, you can't, you want to find the goddamn gear handle on takeoff. <laughs> Holy shit. So I was, you know, I had no muscle memory in the jet. So one of the first days we're there, they brief in El Centro, we're going to do the afterburn loop on takeoff. The diamond burn loop on takeoff. But lawman, you're not qualified to do this. So boss and I, Dino saying this, boss and I and snooze will fly the burn loop on takeoff. You'll taxi out with us. The R3 jets will take the runway. I'll fly the right wing and the little V, they call it. Without the diamond, they go little V. And you watch us do the takeoff. And when we roll down the runway, you line up and wait on the runway, same runway. And when you see us coming down over the top on the loop, Vertical nose down, pointed. We'll be right in front of you. Vertical nose down, pointing at the runway. You start your takeoff roll in full burner. Because we're going to accelerate out in front of you at about 400 knots on the end of this loop. And then we're going to turn off to the left, come back right, smoke off, and then maneuver is over. And then you can join. Uh, okay, that's the plan. So we taxi out. Boss and three and four take the runway. Dino takes my position on the right wing. And I'm watching these guys. No? The newbie and you know here the calm you know burn a loop on takeoff you know snooze dino off brakes now burners ready now you know and uh, down the moment they go full after burners you know and the burners uh when you have both burners on you liberate the smoke it, it super heats the oil uh, smoke oil so there's no smoke and uh, burner down the runway they go three jets and huge after burners making a lot of noise and they rotate and they go up and they look like, you know, the, the blue angels. Like, oh my God, that's the goddamn blue angels. I was mesmerized. I was a spectator going, holy shit. <laughs> that looks that cool. Is, that is cool as hell. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sitting I'm in the blue jet watching these three other guys do the afterburn loop on takeoff, which no other team in the world did. Nobody yeah. did that. Barcy knew we were on takeoff. Down to a 200 foot AGL bottom, you know, is the goal typically. And they looked like the blue angels. Like they're, these guys are show ready, you know? I'm going, holy shit. So I get on the runway and I'm mesmerized watching them. And I forget to start my takeoff. Oh shit. They're like way out in front of me now. I go, oh man. <laughs> so I go 
full afterburner, of course, on a clean F-18. Now, I'm a Harrier A-4 kind of guy, subsonic, transonic, single engine kind of guy. I'm in a clean F-18 and full blower, trying to catch these three jets with like dots now out in front of me, like, you know, tiny little jets. I rotate gear up, flaps up, and I bore sight them. I'm like pointing at these guys, pure pursuit. And I had no idea how slow they are at the end of this maneuver on the clear. And the uh, boss starts coming back right, smokes off. And these three jets go from little jets to big jets. I look at my HUD airspeed. I'm doing 600 knots plus indicator. I'm like, oh, I'm almost supersonic. I'm like 0.9. <laughs> Holy shit. Final <laughs> boards. There's no nozzles, you know. I'm like, oh my god, and they're turning into me now. I'm on the right side, and boss is turning into me. They're in diamond set, and I roll and pull seven and a half G limber to pull all I can get out of this jet. Squat the jet on the inside. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to hack the turn on the right side. So what do you do in the fleet? They told you from day one in T-34s, any formation flying, you can't hack the run. Underrun. Underrun. It's been beat into you for years. So I do what I've been trained to do for years: do the right thing, level my wings and fly below the formation and underrun. I call, lawman's underrunning. You would have thought I shot the boss with a missile. This <laughs> you know, is extreme. Knock it off. Boss, boss knock it off. Well, lawman knock it off. Snooze knock it off. Dino knock it off. I'm going, why are we knocking it off? <laughs> and then Dino's yelling at me again. I go, lawman, there's no such thing as an underrun in the Blue Angels. It doesn't exist. And our vernacular, you won't find that word anywhere in our SOP. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you can't hack the turn. You just go the fuck away. Get away from us. <laughs> There's like a what? There's no underrun the Blue Angels? Yeah. So I, I got my ass chewed that day too. There's no, there no, you either hack the yeah. turn in your piece of airspace. Yeah. Or, or you go away. You just magically disappear. And boss doesn't see you until you can join <laughs> in the proper position right so nice. i got oh man you know so i'm already yeah. way behind the power curve that's kind of my intro to the blue angels was just wow. trying to ha- hang on learn nice. chip away every day improve somewhat and not get fired you know we uh well oh, that is you awesome. did it yeah you, you did you survived <laughs> and uh th- and thrived so one thing i want to ask you long man you talked about it in a kind of a side thing what are the debriefs like Wow. Okay. That's a great, that's a great, great question. You know, we've all been through some hard debriefs. I mean, right. Anybody's been to Mott's or, you know, if, you, yeah. if you've flown a red flag, you've seen the Air Force come in. And even in the Harrier world, anybody, it's really doing their game. You know, you, if you're honest about it, you really pick apart. The whole thing is, you know, uh, you're plan, you're trying to learn more fly, and then debriefs where you really learn, right. Maybe you yeah. learn some stuff in the Air Course and you pick it apart and you really learn the lessons learned in the regular fleet debrief versus, Hey, Hey, repeat what you got for me. Nothing, man. Hey, see you. You know, uh, the blues, I tell you, you know, the, the goal is perfection. Even on a train, everything, the, the goal, every maneuver, everything they do, the goal is to be perfect, which isn't impossible. But you never stop trying to be perfect. Because if you start trying to be perfect, now you settle for pretty damn good or we're pretty good. Then you get complacent and then you, people start getting killed or you start to suck. Uh, right. And I heard that one thing about the debrief. I must have heard. 10,000 times my first year, first few months in debrief. Long man, you suck. You know, that was that was probably the most common theme I heard. <laughs> I was, Long man, you suck. You know? Now, I didn't know because I had nobody else to compare it to, but I learned that everybody sucks yeah. early on. But because I was the only guy sucking, 
you know, there's no new other number three with me to, to suffer with me and take some of the heat. It was just me because it was always, if anybody's out of position, it was, it must've been law, man. But, uh, so the debriefs are critical. And the one thing you learn about the debriefs is be honest and confess your sins. And they expect that. You cannot improve in life, no matter what you're doing, any endeavor, if you don't have any self-awareness that you can get better or you should yeah. get better or you've made mistakes. And so at the end of uh, the, we, we land, we do the maintenance debrief, you walk in and you have a few minutes to collect your thoughts and, and take some notes. And what you first thing you do is you refly the entire sword in your mind and you write down any mistake you made they call them safeties yeah and then the debris starts with a general and safe and always with boss first and boss generally uh says how we felt about the the the, the demonstration fly weather practice and air show in generally you know how it went well or not so well you know whatever his perception of that and then safeties and what if he's got a safety or two he'll say i had to, i'll take a safety for this i'll take a safety for that and that's any procedural error or even keying the wrong mic which is a big deal you keyed the wrong mic, one or two. Yeah. It's a big deal. Depending on who owns the flight line and who's making calls on for maneuvers. So every little thing is a safety, and you should confess your sins. And as a new guy, you don't learn you, you learn some, you know, hey, that's a mistake, long that's a safety. Okay, got that. Um, so the debrief, you say you fly an air show, a 40-minute air show, and the average debrief, I would say, would be an hour and a half to two hours. Nitpicky, nitpicky, nitpicky. Take the video and the camera never lies. You'll, right. And the squadron yeah. flight surgeon from the ground perspective is trained during winter training from day one because they figure doctors are smart and they're very observant and they don't have another job on the ground while the guys are flying. You know, nobody's like, yeah. you know, needs immediate medical care right now, typically. So the, the team flight surgeon's job is to critique, learn to critique the ground from the center point perspective, from the crowd perspective. What okay. does it look like from the, from the spectators? So they get very, very good, very sharp eye. They learn from watching, you know, hours and hours of debriefs and videos about what this maneuver should look like and who's out of position. Every little thing, clue who smoke came on last or early smoke or this or that. And they're very, very good. And so the every debrief will start with, especially during show season, the flight surgeon was so the the diamond uh, slot pilot say, hey, diamond burn loop on takeoff. And then the first person to speak would be the flight surgeon has his note card from okay. He goes through the maneuver with any mistakes anybody that he saw from the ground perspective. Yeah. And some of you think, oh, bullshit, that wasn't, you know, he's, he's got the wrong guy. Then they played the tape and they got these very expensive cameras that roll stabilized, you know, <laughs> lenses, and they'll stop the, the video a tenth of a second, a tenth of a second, a tenth of a second, and sure as shit, there's my jet. I go, God dang it. <laughs> you know, out of position, that, oh, late smoke or whatever. And plus the other guys, the experienced guys in particular can see your mistakes up yeah. close. You know, they, they can, if you bobble a wing in them or, you know, push them too hard or do this or that, they can see it. So yeah. very, what they expect is you to come into the debrief and first of all, confess your sins and be aware of the mistakes you made. And sometimes they'll point out if you, if you missed one, Hey, lawman, on this maneuver, you did this or that. Yeah. Uh, and the goal is, um, is as an experienced blue angel, only have one or two safeties, you know, narrow down sure. to maybe none, hopefully, but no more than one or two. Early on, you're making you know a lot of mistakes because you're learning. So the debris are critical. And if the maneuver wasn't perfect, if your jet wasn't perfect on that maneuver, your jet, it's not good enough. And you're gonna yeah. hear about it. Yeah. Uh, and they always tell you not to take it personal. Don't, especially as a new guy, it's hard because you're getting beat up a lot. Because all you suck. You're just, <laughs> <laughs> you're never in position. <laughs> or hardly. 
And you think, oh, that must be the worst balloons they ever hired. God, my God, I must, please God, let me get through another day. Yeah. You know, help me out here, you know. Uh, and um, you hear that quite a bit, but that, you know, but you, if you have the right attitude about just persevering, okay, I'm open to criticism, make, take notes, study it, and look for trends in particular. Hey, I keep doing this thing, so I got to stop doing that. And every brief, every pilot has to, in front of the entire team who's in there for that brief, has to state a specific goal for that flight. That you are telling the team, I am going to fix this today. Or I'm going to do this better today. Here, my specific goal for the day is the up on the line of breast loop. I'm not going to sag it or whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, and you tell the team and then they expect you to have to fix it. And then they show the yeah. tape and did you fix it or not? You're Great. called out on wow. it. No matter who you are. And the boss is a squadron commander, former successful highly competitive Navy commander who has commanded the squadron on a fleet carrier. Now he's the boss, right? doesn't matter. You're out of position. Boss is going to, boss makes a mistake. He's going to hear about it. The yeah. rank is meaningless at the table. Right. Uh, well, and as it should be, if you're going to be a professional team, awesome. right? That, that, yeah. yeah. So, that counts so the, on each yeah, other so for the, your very lives. Yeah. So debriefs are painful and you feel like, Oh my God, I, I'm horrible. And then you say, and then you get a, you know, 30 minute break, eat a burrito at El Central or something, down a Coke, and then you go out and do it again, and you suck again. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you know, in the back of your mind, that, oh, shit. And you, and you fly a maneuver, you go, I'm going to hear about this one. <laughs> but you got to flush it. You have to flush right. it. Yeah, because you got 50 more to go. You got more to do. Like, damn it. Okay. And I learned the lesson the hard way. If you don't, and this is where it's very, uh, can be fatal. Yeah. If you don't flush it and move on, okay, what's next? Focus, uh, do the next one better. I, I made a mistake early in winter training. You know, of course I sucked and I was out of position on some, I don't know, some diamond rolling looping maneuver and got cleared. And then I uh, just, man, the next move was worse. And then the next one was worse. I, you know, I was like, geez, I'm just falling apart over here. And Dino, we, we got to knock it off. Right, law man, go well clear, they call it. Go well clear. It's like fleet parade and like, get yeah. away from us. Right, law man, you're cleared uh, at and you RTB. I'm like, what? I got a, I got oh. a good jet here. Oh, wow. He sent me home. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what? It was a, it was the flight of shame. Yeah. Yeah. It was a single jet return to El Centro. And the maintenance guys are, are monitoring our frequency because they want to know if, if early on, if a guy's got a bad they, jet, you got to fix something. They'll have a, no, well, they'll have a spare jet turning for you. They've always oh, okay. got a spare jet with a uh, crew chief sitting gotcha. in. If they have to, they'll crank that jet and you land and he, that right engine's already cranked. You jump right from the ladder, you jump in crank the left motor, wipe out the flight controls and go if you have time. Nice. Yeah. Make wow. the, oh, they're, it's like a pit crew. It's like a NASCAR pit crew, man. They're world-class. I've done it a couple of times and during their show too. It's phenomenal how fast it can be to jump into a spare jet. So maintenance, they know what's going on. Yeah. But they're going to ask you because it's, you know, early in the, you still got 40 minutes of flying to go. Hey, sir, do you, uh, do you have a spare jet? And I'm going, oh, no. And uh, I think so. And I so I said, no, nah, I said, negative. Uh, <laughs> uh, the jet is good. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not the jet. I'm just RTB. And they, they got asked a question, you know, but they yeah. know. Okay. Yeah. So it was, a, you know, I had to land my jet by my coming for the overhead. Yeah. I, I came in, if I came for the overhead or just snuck in on a quiet, you know, straight end. <laughs> like, maybe sneak this jet in here and no, nobody notices it. Nobody else but you park it. on the flight line and all the troops are out there. Yeah. You know, you park a jet and you get out and, and there's five other jets out there. Over yeah, shade tree bombing range training, and you and you are one of them, man. It's and then you got to wait by yourself. 
and I waited yeah. by maintenance control for the other five jets to land and do the walk of shame into the debrief. And no, man, I'm going to get my ass beat. But it was yeah. a wake-up call, and Dino was right. Lawman, you let yeah. that bad maneuver get to you. Yeah. And you yeah. were not focused on the net, and you got to be dangerous. And he's right. Yeah. You know, my second year, we put it, we, we landed the guy during the show, uh, put him on the ground because he was, it got the same thing. He got dangerous. All right. Mm -hmm. Hey, clear, land your jet during a show on a show day in front of spectators. Wow. They don't mess around. Yeah. yeah. No, the spectators don't know anything about why. They don't, you know, they, they think you're broken yeah, jet. You know, you, could, yeah. you know, the Blue Angels, you could, in my opinion, uh, you could fly by the crowd, invert it, and eject. And they would clap. Oh my God, that's great! Part of the show. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> that's <Yeah>. different. <laughs> they don't. They don't know. Anyway, oh, man. Wow. Wow. I got a ton of questions about the show. You know, how do you how do you wind up in the same spot yeah. over the airfield at the same time? Those sorts. Yeah, of things. I, I, I know people those questions. Love I can tell you about stuff, yeah, the, so, all the yeah. how the geometry works out and the overhead photographs. Yeah. And then uh, again, if you want yeah. to, we can talk some more funny stories about swapping paint. And, Things love, like that. Love and, to have you and, back. And you got to ask me stuff. about at one point. Ask me about the walk down and marching as a marine. That's got a. That's a good story there too. So Absolutely. I, yeah, there's some other Absolutely. ones out there that are kind well, of funny. Did say, you have to teach those squids how to march? <laughs> the, the, oh, yeah. the walk down when we land the jets and do the walk down where six picks up five four three and they yes. pick up the yep. Boston yell and then you march and then you squat and halt, hand salute and then the show's over. The walk yep. down is choreographed. Same as the walk, you know, walking through the jets. The walk down is yeah. huge and you, the show's not over to the handshake. And there's a good story about. The walk down involving me, I, I can tell you about that. You might get okay. a chuckle I'll out take, of. I'm taking story. notes. I won't spoil it now, but it's a good, it's a good story. I have a yeah. question, uh, not regarding that, but it was from an earlier story you were telling about Westpac, your CEO at the time, and I don't remember who it was. I don't know if you said, was but it uh, was it Venom? No, it's Hunter. Call sign mm -hmm. Hunter. Okay. He was, he was. Uh, bound to determine he was going to be an 06 and he wasn't going to let oh. you you guys oh. your you know the squadron anybody in the squadron screw it up for him right i mean that that, that is just, correct yeah, yeah okay yeah. so so that always uh, ends well told, <laughs> yeah and then you told the story you told the story about you know he was uh, had it set up this dog and pony show for the uh uh admiral's pack? visit admiral pack, yeah, basically yeah. coming yeah air pack or sink pack or something right yeah. right so, uh, so someone with a bunch of Texaco stars on his collar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, did he make 06? That's a, I believe he did. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure he did. Yes. Okay. But, uh, I was but he, just, did, I, I but he didn't get he the command he wanted. He did not get the Mag 12, you know, so. Okay. Okay. That That's, work. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Now. That didn't work out. Another story about it, he got, <laughs> he, he really got mad at me. Well, he was mad already. Uh, I went from the A team to the B team, but, uh, <laughs> you know, if you guys have been to Westpac, so uh, sure, we yeah. took our jets over 20 jets back in the day, VMA 331, all day attacks, yeah. transpacked all the way over there, which is painful if you've done that. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. You know, long time, one yeah. G, you know, piddle packs, you know, yeah. I, I learned you want to be in the KC 10, you want to be the yes. NATOPS safety observer in the KC 10 with the air force guys eating burritos yes. in the microwave and use walking to the bathroom, using the lavatory. Yeah. Yes. Laying out and stretching out and watching guys get gas for hours on end. Yeah. And, and, and it's 1G flight. It's all born 1G flying. So you get right. penalized if you do the transpack and they try to balance out the flight hours. You're not getting all the tactical sorties now for a while because you bag how many hours of yeah. 1G just getting the jet to Japan. So it's 20 hours to get there. How does the old story yeah. go? Is the, uh, the Harry guy pulls up next to the KC-10. But, you know, usually you're in trail a little bit. Guy pulls up. 
even with the flight deck, and goes, hey, guys, watch this. It does an aileron roll and goes, what do you think that? Pretty cool. KC-10 guy yeah. goes, oh, yeah? Watch this. About a minute and a half later, he goes, what would you think of that? He goes, I didn't see anything. We're just flying along straight and level. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I went up and went back. I took a piss, got a cup of coffee and a donut, and now I'm back in my seat. <laughs> so, <laughs> because, because, because you can, yeah. Yeah. I used to blow, you know, You're yeah, stuck I in a cockpit like, where you can't even stretch your legs out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would do tricks like blow my G-suit up, you know, every once in a while. Like almost yeah. sort of explode, oh, sure. just to massage your legs, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And you're peeing in a piddle pack. Now, if you're wearing, especially, uh, uh, remember the old anti-exposure suits? Oh, God, uh, yeah. The poopy yeah. suits? They're, the they're suits. Like, if you do any scuba diving, they're like dry oh, suits, no. and they're miserable. Yeah. <laughs> Big zippers back. And, you know, if you're crossing yeah. the Atlantic on a cold day, you're wearing an uh, anti-exposure suit, or you should be. Yeah, right. Uh, for protect, Otherwise, you're not going to survive any any time in the water. But uh, if you, unless you were really well-blessed at birth, really well-endowed, <laughs> good luck sitting in an ejection yeah. seat through all that gear g-suit flight suit poopy suit yeah. undergarments nomex and, underwear and, long yeah, nomex, yeah. yes and, and then and, pulling that thing out and peeing into a plastic bag and of course the zippers the yeah. zippers didn't line up remember no no yeah. oh, so yeah, the yeah, poopy yeah. suit was horizontal zipper of course our yeah. flight suit and the vertical suit oh, yeah, liner yeah. Were, were vertical zippers so yeah. you're vertical you're horizontal you're something was going to get chafed oh yeah I mean, <laughs> the smartest it was not... guy the smartest guy I ever knew and i can't recall who it was he was brilliant uh before we started getting the british remember the british had uh anti-exposure suits but they had the really nice flexible soft yeah the wrist rubber, really and really nice rubber. really yeah. yes really nice where in the marine yeah. corps or navy stuff would cut you it was really that white thick rubber yeah. that would cut into your neck and your oh, and your visible. wrist yeah uh the smartest guy I ever knew he would when we had to wear like even in uh, Cherry Point, flying over the whiskey areas in the wintertime. Remember if the, if the mm -hmm. temperature a certain temperature and you had any right. uh, any chance of uh, water entry, significant chance of water entry, you had to wear a poopy suit. He would just uh, pretend to put one on. He only had the wrist seals and the neck seal, no suit. He would pull the he'd cut them off, so he would pull the neck seal over his head and put some wrist seals on his wrists, you know, like <laughs> wristbands, and no suit. To right. be comfortable, he was willing to risk it, but uh, the rest of us are, you know, suffering and sweating like a pig in these suits. And these guys out there were just the wrist seals on anyway. But uh, yeah, one more story about that. So crossing the uh, the pond one time with Nightmare, you all know Nightmare, yep. and you got to get yes. him on sometime maybe too. Oh yeah, we were a four ship, uh, actually three. We lost a jet in Turkey uh, on the way back with three jets all the way from Balakashir, Turkey, all the way to Cherry Point through uh, road to Spain. Uh, out of Spain, crossing the, the Atlantic with KC-10s, one KC-10, three jets, uh, Satchmo, you know Satchmo? Was yeah. leading it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Nightmare and I are on one wing, so the, we got gas, and then the tanker punched into the clouds, went IMC out of nowhere, just IMC. Well, thank cloud, you. you know. <laughs> yep, and we, we tried that. We were, you know, way back about a mile, mile and a half, you know, uh, lollygagging and we saw satchmo join up on the wing and then the tanker and satchmo went imc which means in the clouds halfway across <laughs> halfway across the atlantic ocean and oh, i think well nightmare if nightmare confesses that he's lost sight then i will say hey low man's lost sight of the tanker but nightmare <laughs> never said a word so <laughs> i just went we both went imc into the clouds and i maintain the air to air you remember the yardstick air to air attack in yep yeah i maintain yep. about a point poor DME from the tanker nightmares over there somewhere have been me. Oh my gosh. And we're thinking, okay, now if we get to the point where we're 
getting close to the next uh, refueling point, then I'll confess, hey, you know, magic, whatever, over here on the right wing, I've lost sight of the tanker. Uh, we never said a word for like 30 minutes. I was sweating the whole time thinking, I hope when we break out that. Anyway, we, yeah, so that was a nightmare. And I crossed the Atlantic one time, uh, lost sight on the tanker and did oh not confess. Gosh. We broke out and got yeah. back and got, got gas. But uh, we're getting ready to bring all our 20 jets back uh, from uh, West back in 89. So VMA 542 was going to take our place. So 20 jets got across back to Cherry Point. Uh, and, you know, maintenance is working hard to get all the jets prepped for the uh, Transpac. And, but the skipper said every pilot in the squadron gets one more good deal cross country somewhere, you know, Korea, you know, okay. uh, yeah, down to Kadena, maybe Okinawa. Or whatever. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. But you know, the garden spot of course was QB point, right. You know, the Philippines, that was the real playground. So, uh, just don't look the in the monkey's was, eyes. That's right. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Smitty was our maintenance officer and he talked to skipper and letting Smitty, uh, take a section down to the Philippines. So the very last ever VMA 331 boondog to the PI. And he took me as his wingman. So Skipper said, well, you guys can go to the Philippines. There's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but be back Sunday night. We have Monday and Tuesday to prep the jets. And we got, you know, we're, we're trans back and back. So uh, somebody that we fly all the way to Kadena. And then you would fly like almost a thousand miles from Kadena, you know, down to the Philippines, uh, across the water, uh, we had yeah. got there Friday night, had a great time. Uh, Saturday, Sunday morning, it's raining. We're supposed to go back to uh, Iwakuni. Section go. So somebody had a brief of section go. We had drop tanks, so over 11,000 pounds of gas. 8,000 foot wet runway. Uh, Cobbed the power down the runway. And right at rotation, I got a firelight. Oh, boy. So and I call, hey. I said, hey, uh, Keaton Mike said, hey, Lawman's got a firelight. And Smitty looked at him like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, <laughs> what? And it was no kidding. Um, you know, I got to stay at QB Point. Sorry, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he disappeared in the goo because it was about 300 overcast. So he went IMC. I nosed over and stayed VMC. I didn't want to go up into the goo with a fire on somebody's wing with a firelight. There's a, and for people that haven't flown there, there is a crap ton of high terrain within yeah. two or three miles. I mean, mountain, it's yeah, right there. Terrain, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I nosed over and stayed VMC below, uh, you know, stayed dirty. And in the air, you know, nozzles aft, right? Yeah. For a firelight and try to land conventionally. So right. I'm turning downwind over the bay, Subic Bay, over Navy ships, and I'm dumping all the gas I can. Remember, you can dump it down to about 2,800 pounds of gas yeah. in the area. I want to get as light as possible. I'm looking for secondaries. I'm looking you just wanted to help the Navy clean their ships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There <laughs> Give you go. some I'm cleaning solutions. Yeah. <laughs> but I am dumping JP four whatever it was navy gas because jp4 <laughs> at about 300 foot agl trying to stay i'm at 300 foot agl on downwind declaring an emergency smitty's overhead somewhere uh and there are two f-18s sitting at the whole shore watching this whole boondoggle and of course the resting gear is raised at uh which we have to end. land beyond in the area i got yeah. so, god i gotta land now i got maybe what seven thousand feet of uh, runway wet in the rain i'm dumping gas i don't see any secondaries which doesn't mean you don't have a fire, of course. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm dumping gas, and all that billowing looks like smoke behind my jet. Oh, yes, the tower the, says they see smoke, right? So the tower sees, we see smoke behind your airplane. Go, God dang it, I must be on fire. I'm on fire. But it, you know, and so uh, I <laughs> land. I did like a, a degree and a half of glide slope, land the jet, went the power nozzle breaking, which puts the nozzles forward, and you come back up on the power, if you recall. Right. Because there's no... 
no, no, no drag shoot, no tail shoot. And uh, uh, the airline equivalent of reverse thrust. Shit, shitty brakes, you know. Yeah. And I go to power nozzle brake, and all that thrust is throwing all that water now forward to the jet, and the jet's enveloped in a you know huge wall of water. Crash fire rescue standing by, and I stopped the jet with like 200 feet to go. I mean, literally, almost in the overrun. And the jet is steaming because of all the, you know, all the water off the All the hot parts and water all oh, yeah. over it. Oh, that's hilarious. So oh, these of guys, they think it's to, on fire. They think I'm on fire. Yeah. Uh, they get ready to hose the jet down. I get out, stop, you know, yell. They don't hose the jet down. We, we clear off the runway. Bottom line, Smitty lands. We go back inside. He calls the skipper back in Iwakuni. Say, hey, sir, uh, wanted to tell you we're not going to make it back today. Lawman had a firelight on takeoff. Oh shit! He had a firelight. You guys are, you guys are trying to milk another day or two in the Philippines. He did not believe it. He said, "Put Lawman on the phone." Puts me on the phone. Uh, he said, "What did you see?" I said, "Firelight." He goes, "What?" I said, "F I R E, big red firelight." Had it all, all the way around until I shut the airplane down. Hey Skipper, look behind you. The admiral's there for his brief. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Click. So yeah, Skipper was pissed. Yeah, he he wants that jet back. Uh, they send a maintenance crew down, of course, uh, on a C you know, Air Force jet. Yeah. Uh, and those guys, and they hooked up power to it. And I was praying, please, God, because they were under orders. The, the gunnery sergeant said, I'm, I got to call the skipper as soon as I put power in the jet and tell him whether there's a firelight or not. That's my first task, to confirm there's a firelight. Uh, and they put power in the jet, and thank you, God, there was a firelight. But they told me, these Marines worked with me. They said, sir. If there had not been a firelight, we would have made you a firelight. We would have, <laughs> <Clip. cut. laughs> we would, we would have cut something yeah, look to at give there. you a firelight. Look at that. There's go. a firelight. They, 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 would have, they would have taken care of me, yeah. So I was not. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what. So we got well, to that goes back, back, back to, you know, again, his attitude was, you guys don't screw it up for me. I want to make I want to make a next rank. And the only way to get ahead, as you know, if you, as you both are Marine officers, no. Just take care of your Marines. Yeah. They'll take care of you. That'll oh, yeah, take yeah, care of itself. Will, yeah. Yeah. When you start telling people, hey, you, you help me, you push me up from below, and that's your duty, it ain't going to end well. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, yeah. You know. And there was, when I was flying A-4s uh, in Willow Grove a few years later, uh, I think the funniest firelight story I ever had was, uh, heard was, it was an airline guy, and I don't know what airline it was, but and, uh, he was actually with uh, the Boston guys, South Weymouth A-4 Mikes. Yeah. And they shut yeah. those guys down. So some of those guys came down and joined our unit uh, at Willow Grill, Pennsylvania. Some good guys. Yep. But they had this tape that they played. Was Lefty one of those guys? Were you there with Lefty there? Lefty was not there when I was there. Oh, okay. We got uh, we got Jazz came down and okay. joined us. Yep. He was a hairy uh, guy before. He was a hairy guy. He's the one that blew his tire. Uh, blew a, yes. Uh, blew a tire. Tell that story in. real quick, too, when <laughs> yeah. you get to it. Okay. Okay, yeah. And then we had Baja, uh, great guy. Oh. Uh, got a uh, play football in Notre yeah. Dame national yep. championship. Played with yep. Joe Montana. Great guy, a good guy. No, yeah. Went to the major. Yeah, good guy. So uh, they had this tape from air traffic control from I believe it was Kingsville or Beeville, Texas. You know, training command, Navy training command, and this Marine student, I think, in a T two Buckeye, and he comes in for the. And I, I can't recall the call sign, but you can hear him on tape, and he's really cool because you want to really sound cool on the radios, right? So yeah. hey, this is a uh, hey. Kingsville Tires is, uh, you know, I'm throwing out there, gun train 2-2, five miles through the uh, the overhead. All right, gun train 2-2, call the numbers. You know, then here you go. Gun train 2-2 is the numbers, you know, really cool, collected, you know. Yeah. Uh, 
And then uh, you cleared the brake, left brake, so he, he brakes. And the next call you hear on downwind is this shrill, sounds like a little girl screaming, this is Kudwa, this is Kudwa, I'm on fire, I'm on fire. And there's a pause, and then the Navy pilot uh, instructor, another jet in the pattern, goes, Kudwa, you're on fire, do you have any secondaries? And he goes, Kudwa says, secondaries, how about smoking flames in the goddamn cockpit? And he pulls the handle and jumps out of it. So he, he actually was yeah. on fire in the yeah. cockpit. He got out. But, uh, yeah, so Jazz, so. Bobby Kudwa was a good shit. I worked for him at Fourth Ma for a while. But, oh, you yeah. know him? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, he him well. He, he's actually, yeah. uh, not to tr- not to bring it down, Bobby Kudwa is the one that told me I was a widower. He was the one that told me that Shay had died. So, yeah. You're I, kidding I, me. Yeah, no, he wow, was my son. What's the that? Are you serious? Yeah. No, I'm dead serious. Yeah, I was working wow, for him man. at Fourth Ma. He's the one that told me what had happened. So Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, they, yeah thanks. All right, they, all right. All, Back to positive got, stuff. That was 27 yeah, yeah. years ago, and we're good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in the uh, reserves, uh, you have to rush a unit. You don't uh, – yep. headquarters Marine Corps do not assign you typically, unless you're an active duty guy, you know, the one active duty guy maybe. But everybody else, you apply to the reserves, and you and you kind of get to know the guys if you're, you know, a current pilot, and they, get, and they vote. You know, in the end, the ready room votes – you want this guy, you know, Joe Smith or not, you know, Smitty right. or, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah. That's the way it works, at least in the Marine Corps Reserves. Yeah. Uh, and so you had to rush. And so they were shutting down the uh, eight ball mics in uh, Boston. And those guys needed you know, one of the flying jobs. So some of those guys are coming, hey, next nearest place is uh, Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. So they make some phone calls and, and ask for some sponsors, you know. And I knew a couple of those guys. And Jazz had been the very first Marine lieutenant to jump out of Harrier. It wasn't his fault. He had that flap impingement. So he got right. out, survived the Harrier ejection, and was flying A4s and flying for major. Good guy. Really good guy. Uh, I could vouch for him. So I said, yeah, you know, hey, other guys knew him. Come on down. So he, they still had jets at Boston. So I'm going to bring an A4 mic down the next drill weekend. So he planned on it. We knew he was coming in. He uh, called 10 miles out for the overhead, came in, you know, for a shit hot, you know, 500 knot break, you know. Everybody's looking out the, the window at him, you know, watching how this guy flies, you know. And uh, he comes around in a really tight pattern, really nice, you know, lands it probably 150 away. Arrow breaks it, you know, a little bit. But I think Tower asked if he could make the very first left turnoff, you know, expedite getting off the runway. And he did that, jumped on the brakes really hard, came left, uh, and immediately blew his left main mount, you know. And he stops. Oh, yeah. So he clears the runway. He's on his uh, taxi. We're all looking at him. And he, we all watched the jet start to tilt left you know slowly <laughs> it's just it rolls it rolls down on one wing almost and uh he opens the canopy and it looks at and you can see that i'm like oh my god you just you got to be kidding me just blew a tire in front of the whole ready room you know <laughs> and uh he opens the canopy and he knows where we're at he, he looks up at yeah. the at the hangar and he knows yeah. all these guys are probably looking out the window at him in the ready room on the second deck and he keys to Mike, which is you know ready room uh, uh microphone is on you know loudspeaker and he looks right at us. He goes, how am I doing so far? That's all he said. <laughs> <laughs> and it was probably the best thing he could have said, you know, because yeah, right. he got in. You know, yeah. we, we voted him in. And he's the first airline guy I ever heard use the term on, in the reserves about, don't push me. I quit once. Yeah. And I'll quit again. I'm a known entity. <laughs> yeah, because right. Yeah, right because active duty guys, unless you're at your end of your obligation, you just can't quit a unit. Say, hey, I'm tired of this bullshit. I'm tired of being, you know, the way the opsol's uh, treating me or the XO or the C or whatever it might be. Yeah. Jazz actually quit in the middle of a CAX. 
29 palms. <laughs> you can't, Marines can't quit. It sucks in 29 Palms, right? You can't just pack yeah. your stuff. Say, I'm tired of this. Yeah. I'm out of here. Probably the suckiest exercise in the Marine oh, Corps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're in a tent. You're in a <laughs> tent city, whether it's, it's hot, summertime it's nasty. or, yeah. or so wintertime. He, cl- he quit out. in the middle of a CAX? Let me tell you, yeah. He'd been put on the uh, ODO multiple days in a row. And I, you know, I don't know what it was going on, but somebody was just kind of giving him more duty than he thought was fair. And it probably was accurate and not flying as much as you should you know all these reserve guys they're all airline guys they they come there to fly you know and participate yeah. and to the unit and the mission and all that but uh you don't come there to just do duty you know you sit at the ODO desk while other guys fly airplanes so he thought he was getting more than his fair share of duty not flying so he told the officer whoever it was hey don't give me ODO tomorrow or i'm out of here next schedule comes out there's his name <laughs> on the schedule ODO you know Remember LPOD or something like that? Last plane on deck. You know, you yep, had it from, yep. you know, 1400, the last plane on deck. Right. So Jazz was an ODO again. And I remember him. He walked out of the the tent ready room and, you know, everywhere in his flight suit. And he came back in civilian attire, what they call escape suits back then. The airline guys would call escape suits because yeah, yeah. they could escape with a bag. And he said, I quit. I'm out of here. And I, I didn't see him again for years later. He walked out of that tent hitchhiked the main side, whatever, got a ride to Palm Springs and flew, flew back to Philadelphia. Yeah. He quit on us. I don't don't blame him because he could. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And no one could do a damn thing about it. Yeah. Done it once. I'll do it again. Oh, holy smokes. I had another note here that I, I remember, uh, from my last notes before we quit on, uh, whatever night of the week that was last week that we'd had the marathon interview. (laughs) You're a trooper alum, man. You're you're a man. Yeah. Um, uh, at at the time you were telling uh you were telling uh, some stories from your your uh, blue angel tour and you said something about i don't know if i'm using the right terminology but the walk the walk, oh, walk down any story yeah. about the walk down walk, so you walk, walk to down, the jet yeah. and from the jet it's a for, very formal oh, it, thing right oh it's it's choreographed you ever watch the yeah. blue angels fly even yeah. a practice yes. show yes everything is choreographed and to the minutia i mean it's really uh, incredible, you know, and the camera, they filmed that and they, they, they debrief that the walk down yeah. and the walk back, you know? So you do uh, that fact, at El Centro and training from day one though. Yeah. In fact, my job is number two. Oh, from, uh, you, you learned it, you started in Pensacola. You started learning the okay. two man walk down then four and then six, you know, uh, you know, at a certain word or, you know, during that's the, gotta uh, be, I'm sorry. Number. That's gotta be funnier and, and crap to watch two pilots walking back and forth in front of their jet, oh. you know, just oh, yeah, yeah, like, it, Oh God, <laughs> but you've got to do it. You can't just do it the first it. time. Yeah. So when the squad, when the skipper says, you know, we're standing there at parade rest, uh, number six will say, you've got six boss, uh, some of that effect, you know, yeah. then a certain narration part, you know, the skipper calls, you know, the boss squadron right. 10 hut forward March, you know, and these guys are all, you know, I'm an AOC guys. They've been training my Marines. You know, one, like yeah. the DI you had on uh, right. the previous show. Good to go. And <laughs> you step up. You know, you always step up on the left foot, right? So on the third oh, left no. foot, the third left foot, number two, at least my time, so being me, would call hand salute. So you count one, two, three, hand salute, up, pop, down. Because you were st- so close, short of the shoulder, you can't do a regular Marine Corps salute because you, you you don't have the, the, the elbow room. Okay. So your right. hand comes almost straight up. They do this little... Na- thing where your hand comes out like a, <laughs> a pop 
Yeah, and then you bring it. Not back that there's down. anything wrong with that. You guys are you guys are basically walking shoulder to shoulder at that point. Shoulder to shoulder, yeah, yeah. Proper yeah. salute. You're yeah. gonna you elbow. Yeah, you can't do this. So it's a different salute. Your hand comes straight up. You got to just learn yeah. years and years of Marine Corps saluting. Bring your hand straight up, and you pop. And then they stop the film. And if if your pop doesn't match boss's pop, they stop them. Hey, lawman, you're late pop, early pop, whatever. You had oh, them, or your hands. Your hand was one inch ahead of bosses on the salute coming up. They wow. are coming down. Everything had they, they picked that apart. The hand salute, and walk yeah. up the ladder. So then boss peels off his jet, then you peel off your jet. When you walk up that skinny little F-18 ladder that comes down from the lead edge extension, right. it's yeah. inches wide. You walk up with your right hand only. You don't look at uh, no no left hand. One hand only, and you can't look at your feet. And they, I was the only new guy uh, flying that year than the diamond in particular. So the, they always say, "Follow law, man." The camera crew would always follow me to my, up the ladder. You know? Of course, forget everybody you know. else. Forget everybody else. Yeah. And then if I look down at my feet, because you're talking, walking up a skinny little ladder with one hand, right. you know, and climbing on top of this F-18, which is pretty hard to deck. Uh, with no cranial, no helmet, because your helmet's in the jet. Yeah. Uh, and if you look down at your feet, Dino, the slot pilot, is running the debris. Say, "Law man, stop! Stop the video. Did you drop some change? Did you drop something? <laughs> what are you looking for? <laughs> stop looking ain't no down. Dis- ain't no discharge on the ground. <laughs> ain't no discharge on the ground. Don't look down. So in the jet, and then so. Yeah, and the whole startup thing was, you know, choreographed to how you got out, you know, and all that. But I'm going to go into that. So uh, on the, the walk down, the walk back, so you would land the jets and you'd park and show, park and, you know, line uh-huh. of breast, six jets, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, and then everybody's ready to get out of the jet on a certain signal from boss. You can never look, if you're number two, you never look, if boss is my left side, I never look out of him. I'm looking to my right side. When six is ready to get out of the jet, he looks at number five. Five's ready, looks at four, four looks at three, three looks at two. I'm ready. They're all looking at me. I look at boss and he knows everybody's ready to get out of the jet, which okay. is choreographed. How right. you get out of the jet is choreographed. Probably stand right. up, stand, stand on the up, seat. You know, stand on the seat. You'll make a V with your hands on top of the canopy pal and okay. then walk down the ladder again. Don't look at your feet. Walk down <laughs> with one hand. <laughs> don't look down. Uh, and then walk and stand in front of your jet in front of your two. And you have two crew chiefs standing there. So you're at the nose of the jet is in your back and you have two crew chiefs standing there with you at parade rest. You shake their hand and stand at parade rest. Then you wait and a certain part of the narration, number six calls his crew 10 hut. He steps off and starts marching towards the number five jet and he picks up number five. And so a few feet away from number five, he starts calling in left on the left foot because you don't look at the guy coming at you. You look straight ahead at the crowd. You never look, you just right. listen. And then you step off and step with that pilot on That's the right. left foot as he's calling it. Yeah. Okay. And then five calls it for four, four calls it for three, three calls it for me left. So mm-hmm. I, I'm listening. I hear them coming. There's now there's four guys coming at me and I can kind of see them peripherally. I know you're and not eyeballing them. You can't eyeball them. Don't turn your head. You eyeball. That's right. Don't eyeball the area. You eyeballing them all, man. And, uh, and I could hear snooze calling left, left, only loud enough for us to hear. The crowd can't hear that. So right. no one's hearing it except for us. Left. Left. I would step. I'd tap my toes. Okay, tap my toes ever so slightly. Yeah. I would step off either left or right, depending on which way we were parked, yeah. and step with these guys. And then I would call out left foot for the boss, and mm-hmm. would stop and hand salute and all that. So, occasionally, I hear left. I'd step out on the left foot. I could tell immediately, I'm not in step with these guys. Uh, 
you, you when you're marching yeah. shoulder to shoulder with guys and you're yeah. not in step you can it's know. obvious yeah. yeah you're like gomer pile you know yeah. i'm like goofy like trying you know the clown with the big clown feet you're like what the hell I'm trying to do a change step <laughs> you know and uh that we're, and we're so close to boss that i start calling the left on my foot which is the wrong foot and oh. dino's yelling me lawman shut up or snooze <laughs> shut up and then dino or snooze would pick up and call left for the boss and then the boss would come out and be in step with other navy guys and the only guy out of step was the marine no 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 going, oh my the only God. guy in step was the marines the squids okay. were out of step lawman <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. right. <laughs> so you know you get to that part of the debrief which of course is the end of the show yeah even for practice show uh, and they would stop the say, "Law man, we thought if anybody can march well, would be the Marine. You guys are known for precision drill and marching. What the hell is wrong with you? Can't you yeah. come out on the proper foot? I'm like, I'm you focus, stay focused, and, and listen for that left foot, and step out and step with the rest of us. Okay, I'm working on it. I'm taking notes. And then, you know, weeks would go by or a month or two." And I'd be in step the whole time. Then other time I'd come back out again. I'm I'm out of step. I'm like, what the hell? And they would play the video and go, Law man, what the hell is wrong with you? You, the Marine can't march. This went on for the entire first year. Just every oh once gosh. in a while, yeah, I would come out on the wrong foot, and I was thinking, racking my brain, thinking, what can I do? How can I fix this? How can I yeah. not come out on the wrong foot? Focus, focus, listen, tapping my toes, and so finally, end of the season, towards the end of the year, that first year. It was a practice show in Pensacola. I came out on the wrong foot again. You know, Clutus the Clown looked like, you know, <laughs> you know Gomer Pyle out there with, you know, the we're, sergeant yelling at me. Yeah, we're sergeant, sergeant, sergeant Carter chewing your ass, right? <laughs> but in this case, it's Dino and the debrief. What the hell, law man? Can't you march? Goddamn Marine. And uh, I said, I don't know. What, I tell you guys, I threw my hands. I don't know what to do. I said, I'm really at a loss. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm, I'm focused. I am laser focused on the left foot, left foot, hearing that left foot call from Snooze. I'm trying to step out with you guys. I can't figure it out. Tell I'm me lost. Snooze is screwing with you. He said, oh, man, don't you get it? I go, what? We've been fucking with you, man. We've been screwing <laughs> with you. I go, what? They go, only, <laughs> only in practice shows, and only occasionally, guys say, hey, guys, today, Snooze is going to call left on the right foot, and we're going to fuck with Lawman. <laughs> So, so the Navy guys, so oh, Snooze yeah. approaching my jet would call left on the right foot. Of course. I'm here and left. I would step out and then I'm out of step. So they, yeah, it was a good, the good nature Navy Marine Corps kind of yeah. poke your finger at you a little bit, but the Navy <laughs> messing with the Marines. So the march down, and it was embarrassing because the troops were out and I learned this, yeah. I never did this at a, in front of the, the public. No. So I didn't put that together that it was only a practice show. <laughs> These things happened at, so they would never do something that intentional in front of the public, but they would do that in front of the, the team would be out there going, how come that Marine can't march? <laughs> God, that's I funny. That coming. Yeah. I, I, I almost, they, they, they had to be. Yeah. Like, they are screwing with you, man. <laughs> They're screwing with you. I was not thinking that way. You know, I just didn't get it that way. So oh. yeah, I should have <laughs> seen it coming man. though. Yeah. I should have seen it coming. So you were out in the public a lot. And obviously at the end of the show, you did, you did the meet and greets, those sorts of things. There's a lot of pressure there to be to be solid all the time. Um, yeah, but you no, got I to meet, you, yeah. yeah. 
And you got to meet some amazing people, too. I mean, I got you sent some pictures, and I'll try and include some of the pictures, like of the walk down and the salute and that sort of stuff. But uh, uh, the, the cool thing about it was people wanted to meet you. The commandant wanted a picture with you. Bo Jackson wanted a picture with you. Who are some of the Van other Halen. people you got? You were yeah, Van, Van Halen. Yeah, you Eddie went to Eddie Van, Van Halen's, Halen's house, house right? Yeah, I'm not, got yeah, to I'm meet not, Valerie not. Bertinelli. <laughs> well, that's what, I wanted to meet Valerie Bertinelli, but here's what happened. Oh, he was, was smart uh, enough to keep him keep her away oh, from you guys. Here's what happened. So yeah, you know the uh, Van Halen had done that uh, that dreams the video with the Blue Angels. Uh, you know, their right. yes. mind Van Halen yes. uh, yeah. a song, which was a big okay. hit. Yeah, uh, really well received uh, uh, video with the Blue Angels. Uh, really pretty kind of song. Uh, yeah. It went very well with the with the Blue Angels flying. And so the team already had kind of a relationship with Van Halen. And so in 1994, my first year on the team, uh, the public affairs officer, uh, Cubby, uh, who ended up being Admiral, uh, you know, spokesman for the uh, Pentagon, said, hey, uh, Van Halen's agent uh, has called, and uh, why don't you guys come out to the house if you want? So sure, who wants to go to Eddie Van Halen's house? So nice. I was a fan of Van Halen. I mean, it's pretty cool. Eddie Van Halen, those guys are obviously very famous. Yeah. You know, Some rock, good rock, rock and roll. Stars. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, your greatest guitar ever, probably, yeah. maybe. Arguably, and uh, but I also had I had a crush on Valerie Bertinelli. Right on, yeah. Back in the day, back from her the TV day, show. Man. Yeah, yes, yeah, man. yes. Who this did? This is nineteen. This is nineteen ninety four. So she was still, you know, fairly young. A little smoke show. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe what thirty, early thirties. Maybe I was what 30, 34. So I go, yeah, I'm going to meet Eddie. But I'm going to meet Valerie. So uh, his agent picks us up in some you know van or something like that, and we drive to this you know, of course, big gated mansion. We're driving this long driveway and 180 out approaching us, leaving the mansion was Valerie Bertinelli in this Lamborghini SUV with, I believe it's Wolfgang, the son, okay. the only child they had yep. uh, yeah. in the back seat. And I'm like waving and yelling, you know, she, <laughs> she goes 180 out. So I, I got within like eight feet of her and she was gone. <laughs> and maybe she didn't want to hang out with uh, Van Halen and a bunch of blue, you know, blue angel. A bunch of degenerate so, Navy so. pilots, yeah, yeah. yeah, naval aviators. <laughs> so we went to, uh, we hung out with Eddie and the guys. You saw that picture. Uh, all four of them were there, the whole yep. band, and it was pretty nice. And we basically just shot the shit with these guys and sat in the, I believe it was like a converted a room that he had uh, converted into a studio uh, on his property. So we basically hung out right. at this uh, recording studio that Eddie and the guys used during the property. They were really laid back. Eddie was very quiet. He was probably the quietest yeah. of the four. Interesting. Uh, and I, you know, I've got to admit, being a former state trooper, they gave us a walk. We could walk around and take a look at everything. They had refrigerators and stuff. Hey, help yourselves. Yeah. Were you looking for uh, evidence, lawman? I was looking for, yeah. <laughs> looking for a mar- you know, paraphernalia, drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Famous, you know. I couldn't even find, I couldn't find even a marijuana seed. These guys uh, were clean. I'm not kidding you. They had yeah. nothing. They told us they had sobered up, um, yeah. that they had spent, Gobs and do these uh, shows that uh, make a, a ton of money, and then yeah. a lot of them be gone on you know booze, drugs, women, whatever you know during the day, and they had sobered up. They had families, and they were trying to you know, get their act together. But not a not a beer, all the refrigerators, sodas, and water. Like not even a, a can of beer in this place. Nice. I mean, these guys really were clean and sober wow. yeah. at that time, uh, and, and great guys to hang out with. We offered them all an F-18 ride. They come out uh, and fly with us. Put you in the back seat of an F-18, take you up for a ride. All four of them declined it. Said nope, not interested. So wow, uh, yeah, did not. They weren't. They, they loved doing the music, like the video and all that. We're thinking about maybe doing another video with the team, but uh, did not want to fly in the jet. I'd go for one today. I'd go in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
So yeah. Wow. So anyways, that was a kind of a fun visit. We got you know Jay Leno. We went to his uh, his nice. show. Got to hang out with him behind stage. You know backstage. Yeah. Uh, you get invited to people's homes. You're you're treated like a celebrity and a rock star for about two years. You know, uh, unless you're doing a three year tour. Yeah. Uh, then you go back to being Joe Blow the Ragman. Nobody. You know. Uh, right. Back to the fleet. Do your you own. Guys standing there with wire clippers as you're pulling out of your parking spot for the last time, right? To take yeah, your yeah, sign exactly. down yeah, off. Yeah, your... yeah, yeah. You know, you got to actually. I got to walk around and do my own pre-flight. I got to pre-flight this Harrier jet. Right. You know, of course, you go from the blues, which is impeccable maintenance. I mean, these guys yeah. are. It's incredible the, the attention to detail the maintainers have and the dedication to the jets the maintainers have. Well, they don't, even, they don't even let a bug spot stay on the jet. Right? Oh, it's crazy, man. The dead bug on the jet clean. is off. They, yeah. they, they clean those jets with, uh, with uh, rags and spray bottles. I mean, these guys, it's impeccable. And every switch, you don't, if you're a Blue Angel pilot, you don't even uh, pre-flight the cockpit. You don't adjust your radio volumes. They, they, they know uh what's where you want your radio volume just splits you know one and two at uh one of my number one radio at yeah. uh, 10 o'clock number two at two o'clock whatever it is yeah. you tell and that, that's where your radio volume knobs will be your gloves laid out in the cockpit left over right or right over left that's where they'll be every single time your skull wow. cap pinned onto a uh an alligator clip you know the skull cap before you put your helmet on right, right, right. i'll ask you day one sir which way do you want your skull cap face you want to face them left or you want to face them right so i don't care does matter sir we have to know because that's the way it's going to be every single time. And that was the, yeah. I mean, the precision. Yeah. You go from that kind of precision where everything's taken care of. The jet has been turned, powered yeah. up, and shut down and cleaned. And I hate to say this, you go back to the, the Marine Corps, AVA B fleet. Yeah, maintenance control. My, yeah, your jet's out there. Go get in it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was the, the AIM, I was becoming the maintenance officer at 214, my first post uh, Blue Angel flying tour. At the command and staff college, and I walked to a jet that had been signed to be my maintenance control, safe for flight, yep. on the flight line, Yuma, Arizona, VMA two fourteen, which is a great squadron. But you know, yeah. young Marines make mistakes. Yeah. And there's, I walked to the right side of the airplane. There's a complete, like four foot panel missing from the jet, not even on the airplane, like a you know exposed <laughs> avionics. <laughs> right. You know. Right. You know, I said, hey, uh -oh. they just missed little things, you know. So you get spoiled uh, by the blues uh, and the precision that you get to work with there, you know. Uh, yeah. but uh, oh, that's cool. Well, what a great experience! Yeah, well, I mean, we can't thank you enough for joining us and for honoring us with your time. Oh, my and pleasure. Happy birthday to your bride! Hello, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, thank you very and, much. I'll uh, pass it on to her. She's a lovely and, lady. Yeah. And thank you for your service. And same uh, to you guys. Yeah, man, I'm honored to have flown with you guys. It's really it was a pleasure <laughs> to have flown with guys like yourselves, you know, true great Americans, you know, that uh, still having fun and love talking about flying and. It, it and, never and gets telling, old. And telling it. funny stories about ourselves, you know, it's not nothing wrong with that. No, yeah. it, it never <laughs> gets old. Well, that seems about as good a place as any to break it up for this week, Bommy, and thank you for joining us. I want to say also thanks to all of you listeners who are doing something that is humbling to us. One, you're listening, and we know you've got over 3 million podcasts from which to choose, but choosing ours and listening to us is humbling and an honor, so thank you. The other thing you've been doing, and I would ask you to please keep doing, is sharing this show with other people whom you know will enjoy a good aviation tale. That is also humbling uh, to us. One of the best ways to help our ratings is if you are using any Apple devices is to use the Apple Podcaster app. That helps our numbers. And also from the Apple Podcaster app, if you go down to the bottom of the show, there's a place to give us a nice five-star rating and perhaps a review. Reviews and ratings help us a lot 
get our show bumped up in Apple. So it uh, helps us keep growing. I also want to let you know how to reach out to us. If you either want to reach out to one of our guests, we can put you in touch with them, or you can give us feedback directly. You can reach FIG via email at FIG at so there I was dot us or me at repeat at so there I was dot us. And you can follow us on Facebook at so there I was dot us slash Facebook or on Twitter. So there I was dot us slash Twitter. If you have any other comments, please subscribe and share them at our website, so there I was.us. Thank you also to our sponsor, Robin's Bird Brain Designs. She is doing a really cool thing for Christmas this year. If you want a custom gift for somebody to show them you've put a lot of thought and effort into it, get some custom etched slate coasters. You can get your squadron logo on a call sign or some aircraft instruments and a tail number, anything along those lines. Work with Robin at Robin's Bird Brain Designs to get a custom gift done just for you and that person that you want to uh, show that you've spent a lot of time and thought on getting them something special. You can see the link to Robin's Bird Brain Designs on our sponsors page. So there I was dot us and then there's a link right at the top for sponsors. We do have a glossary page up on so there I was dot us. So if we mentioned a term that you didn't hear or didn't understand, I should say, go and look for it there. Special thanks also this week and every week to Dos Gringos. Dos Gringos are letting us use their music for our podcast. These are two former Air Force fighter pilots who started playing guitar together and it, it got crazy from there. Look forward to having them on the show here in the very near, near future. So let me take this opportunity to thank Dave Hamilton over at the Mac Geek Gab podcast found at macgeekgab.com for all his support and technical expertise in helping us put this show together. And until next week, everyone, stay safe and check six. Snooze is going to call left on the right foot, and we're going to fuck with Lawman. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>